Welcome back to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Friday afternoon. And I'm really excited to welcome back on the program Karen Co. Karen, it's really lovely to speak to you again. We usually do the Agenda Cafe round about now. How are you doing? I'm very well, and it's really cool that now I can be your um, Australia correspondent. I always wanted to be an Australia correspondent, and you're giving me the chance to do it. And and you're joining us. Thank you so much. Yes, what's life like uh, down under at the moment? I, I should say that, Karen, you are such a trooper. You've done quarantine so many times upon trying to come back to Hong Kong, but this time it's it's just an unknown. Um, so we don't know yes. wh- when you're going to come back. Um, hopefully when they um, lower the quarantine quarantine restrictions then you'll be on your way right. back i hope in in like 2025 or something <laughs> oh, like that no. <laughs> Seems like... i'm laughing now but i don't know nothing i know it wouldn't surprise me we um, may be talking <laughs> like this in 2025 still talking uh, my, my australian correspondent so what's it like in australia <laughs> last week when we caught up it was all very exciting with the whole uh, novak djokovic uh, saga so oh, he, yeah. he he's finally been banned can, can we uh, pick up on that briefly. What, what was the reaction like in the country when he was sort of finally yeah. banned? You know, I think in a way it was a bit of relief that for the US, uh, for the Australian Open in particular, that they could just start focusing on the Australian Open. And mm. I've been watching the tennis all week, and it's actually, I, I think it's good that he's not there because he's not no longer a distraction people can really feel like we're still watching some of the world's best tennis players and the matches have been very entertaining and the players have played really well. And frankly, I don't think anybody really misses Djokovic being there um, because there's so much great tennis to watch. So I know like on the sidelines, he's now saying he wants to sue the Australian government for $6 million and he's had all these... Um, supporters come out and whenever there's a an update on the Australian Open social media pages, there's a lot of criticism, a lot of trolls coming out saying, oh, this is not a real tournament. But I feel like it is and people have moved on. So um, actually my sister and brother-in-law are going to go tomorrow night um, and enjoy it. And I think it's actually been a lot more enjoyable because we don't have to really talk about it anymore. And we, we don't, you know, there was enough sort of uh, division and controversy and everyone's just like, okay, we're sick of that. Let's just watch the tennis and enjoy it with the players who were there. Yeah, and I know after he left um, Australia, he I think he went ahead and and he he bought a a major stake in a Danish biotech company hoping to come up with with a COVID cure. (laughs) Right, isn't that weird? Isn't that strange? Well, I mean, I think what's interesting is that um, a few days later, the French government said, you know, we are implementing this vaccine passport. So if you're not vaccinated, you can't come into a major venue, including Roland, Gar- Roland Garros. So mm. he may not be able to play the French Open if he doesn't get vaccinated. He can't get into the US without being vaccinated as a foreigner. Uh, so unless he changes something, he's not going to have much of a a tennis circuit this year. Yeah. Yeah. Think about all the money he's losing. But um, maybe maybe that's a... I think he can afford to. Yeah, probably. Yeah, (laughs) And of course, Spain also mentioned that maybe he might be banned from the Madrid Open as well. So it's sort of Australia sort of created this um, um, uh, sort of was a pioneer. Precedent. Exactly, precedent. Yeah. Yeah. 
There's a, an interesting, the other day, um, you know, the the world tour of surfing, because, you know, I'm a keen surfer, yes. also has the first stop of the year is usually um, Australia. And uh, the world, you know, like 12-time world champion Kelly Slater, who is also not vaccinated, uh, if he doesn't get vaccinated, he won't be able to compete. And oh. the World Surf League has said, you know, this is, these are the rules. So you you know before you come in that, or you try to come in that this is what the rule is. So you may not be able to compete. So it, it is a precedent that, you know, I think now the countries feel like it's easier to say this up front uh, because, you know, the, the precedent's been set and the tournament's still going ahead and, and everything's actually fine. Yeah, I, I heard it's a bit of a thing amongst athletes uh, to, to, to not be vaccinated because they're worried about the effects of long-term effects of the vaccine uh, on, on their performance. Uh, we saw that with a lot of sort of football players in the UK. I wonder how many of the sort of uh, Tokyo Olympic um, athletes weren't vaccinated. Of course, that's sort of never known. Had this been sort yeah. of more in, in the, had this happened first, I'm sure there'll be more talks about um, um, Tokyo. Yeah. Yes, right. Well, and and also maybe even the Winter Olympics for China. Do they? I don't even know if they have any restrictions on on non vaccinated people coming in, even yeah. if they're athletes. Yeah, good question. I'm not sure. We, or the I types have, of vaccines yeah, that they that that they receive would it have to be sort of compatible? Would it have to be Sinovac or anything by Sinopharm? I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, there's there's sure. actually hasn't been any any coverage about that. No, not yet. Well, um, hopefully there will be and we'll find out the answers. Um, I'm also interested to know what's happening in Australia. I, I'm, I'm reading in the news that there seems to be a huge sort of burden on the medical system and a lot of people uh, are contracting uh, COVID, the Omicron variant, yes. and are advised to sort of stay at home and ride out the symptoms. Yeah, that that's basically the protocol now. So if you... If you test positive in most states, unless you really are having breathing difficulties or you know or very very serious symptoms, the the medical advice is stay home and treat it like you would treat say a flu because the hospitals are coming under strain. So there's definitely um a higher number of people being hospitalized um, in the past week. So in New South Wales, there's like 2,700 people in hospital and 200 in the ICU. Um, In Victoria, where I am, there's just over 1,000 people in the hospital and about 120 in the ICU. So it is. They are now seeing the hospitalization numbers go up. So, so in Victoria, just yesterday, they announced that the hospitals have are now under this thing called Code Brown, which means yeah. there's no more elective surgeries. So, if you were going in to do some operation that's elective, you can't do that anymore. And for the hospital staff, they probably will not have any leave approved. They'll have to work extra shifts. So it it is a big burden on on the hospital staff in particular because they ju- they're just not getting a break. And and at the same time, it's still really hard to get a test. So now they've sort of moved to rapid antigen tests that you do at home and then you're supposed to register your results on a state website. But it's still almost impossible to find 
these tests anywhere in, you know, online or in any pharmacy. You go to all these pharmacies and before you even go inside, there's a sign outside saying we are out of stock of rapid antigen tests. So the government says they're, they have one, they have an Australian manufacturer who's going to start making them. And also they've importing, they're importing a lot, but we're not seeing them yet. So they they are quite hard to find. Um, so that's another problem that the under-reporting of cases, everybody knows, is happening. So when when you, they say, okay, New South Wales had 25,000 cases today, it's probably 50 or could be 60. We, we just really don't know. So those numbers don't really mean anything. Yeah, wow. The, the case it's numbers. so scary to hear those numbers. I, 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 some, you know, sometimes we forget how safe we are in Hong Kong and how low the numbers are compared to, um, say, Australia. I'm, I'm looking at the uh, CHP dashboard at the moment. And mm. at the moment, we've got about 340 people hospitalized. Um, and um, that their own is it three hundred and forty people hospitalized. There used to be a, a a a button that showed you how many cases were active. They no longer do that. Mm. But yesterday there were fourteen cases in Hong Kong, eleven of which were imported, and there were three local cases. So really, these right. numbers are are so minuscule compared to the rest of the world. Yet Hong Kong has some of the strictest. Uh, measures just because we, we can't afford to have a mass outbreak because you know, Hong Kong is a small place and we all live on top yeah. of each other. I mean, how many people share the lift in my apartment block? I'd say 200 people, maybe 150. Yes. Um, and there's, you know, fears of vertical transmission. I'm sure, Karen, you've heard that we've had some um, really sad news and that, uh, that, that they found the Delta variant in a pet store in, in, in Causeway Bay and some of the environmental sort of samples in the warehouse in Taipo. So the government uh, are sort of killing hamsters in, in Hong Kong. I saw yeah. that. Oh. That's um, really bizarre. <laughs> and... A, a little bit. Um, Some people uh, have said, know. "Is it sort of um, a, a bit reactive?" Um, but of course, you've got Professor Yung Kok Yung from HKU saying, "Well, we we can't afford um, to, to quarantine all, all the animals. There's not sort of enough manpower and resources to to do all of those, and it's sort of um, uh, easier in a way to to to, to kill all, all the animals um, in fear of a mass outbreak." Um, yeah. because the, 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 the strain was uh, Delta as well. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I was saying to you off air just now, I've, I've not left Hong Kong since the start of the pandemic. So I don't mm. know what it's like for the rest of the world to live in the rest of the world. Of yeah. course, I hear news coverage. Um, I, I, I sort of go between, oh, it's so strict in Hong Kong to, oh, it's really safe in Hong Kong. And then I, right. I think, are other countries being too relaxed or are we too strict? Do you ever feel like that having come from Hong Kong? Um, when you see people not wearing masks, for example, yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of, I mean, Australia is very. In- I'm so sorry. Over in November. Sorry, can you repeat that again, please, Karen? Yeah, sure. So, like, I think Australia is an interesting example because everyone felt very safe in October and November because the vaccination rate was so high. You know, mm. they got it to over ninety percent. But when what it meant is that people started feeling relaxed and the government started feeling pretty good about what they'd achieved. And then when Omicron came along, it was just 
a li- kind of chaotic because nobody really knew what to do next. Like, should they go back to restrictions or would the vaccination protect everyone? And obviously it doesn't protect everyone from from infection. And it's all playing out in a bit of a vacuum of rules and regulations because it's an, you know, it is different. And so a lot of people have just decided to kind of lock themselves down. So here, the streets, the zoos, the museums, anywhere you go, the number of people out and about is significantly less than it would normally be at this time of year. Because right now, it's summertime, school holidays, you know, families are usually out doing lots of things. But everywhere you go, there's less traffic, less visitors, uh, less patrons at restaurants. It's it's quite noticeable. So people are feeling that since they're not being told what to do by the government anymore, they're just going to be more careful and um, not go out as much. But I do think the younger age group who you know, went through so many lockdowns where they just, they couldn't go to work, they couldn't socialize. They are feeling a little bit more um, <laughs> like, well, <Fatigued>. I'm young. <laughs> if I get, yeah, if I get it, I'll probably be fine. I'll be sick for a week, but then I'll get over it. So, so that's the age group that is recording the most infections, like the 20 to 29 year olds, because oh. they're just sick the, of being locked down. The, the risk takers. Yeah. <laughs> the risk takers. The, yeah, exactly. That demographic, you know, slice is the one, the ones who are feeling like, oh, I just, I think I'll just, you know, try to live normally. If I get it, I get it. And hopefully it won't be too bad. And then I don't have to worry about it so much. But who knows? You could get, maybe you could get reinfected with Omicron. We just don't know yet. Exactly. But, but and and Kong, it's not the kind of thing that you should get over and done with. I think a lot of health experts are, are warning about that because you, you just don't know what the complications are. It affects people differently. And there's a fear of long COVID. Gosh, I'm really, yes, I'm yes. really not in that age group anymore. H- hear the worry right. in my yeah, voice. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> but I think I think in Hong Kong, uh, the way the the language that say the government uses is definitely more fearful. You know that that you know you get fourteen cases and it becomes a severe. Um, you know the way they label it is severe, and I think it does stoke a bit more fear than in other places where it's more widespread and. It's not stigmatized really anymore if you get it because so many people have got it. So, so I think that might be the difference. That definitely the language that the officials use shapes the way you feel about it. Because if you're in a place where you're being told to be scared all the time, then of course after a while you're going to be scared. Yeah. Uh, whereas if you're in a place where you're told you need to manage this, then you can sort of. S- try to prepare for the worst but you know obviously try to avoid it as much as as much as possible absolutely i mean there's no way i mean we don't condone getting covid at all we don't want people to get covid but you know nobody really talks about i don't feel like in hong kong the conversation is really about well what happens if you do get covid and and what's life after like um if if you do get covid i think other governments would be sort of laughing all the way to the bank if they had hong kong's situation um Mm. such few cases but it's precisely because um we are so vigilant and uh, you know, I, I include the government in this, but it's also the people of Hong Kong who are just so um, 
obedient and just, you know, so vigilant yeah. and wearing face masks and so compliant uh, and sort of coming forward to, to come coming forward to, 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 to share which restaurants they've eaten in. Because, you know, we've got uh, this Leave Home Safe app uh, in Hong Kong, yes. which doesn't really sort of track you in any way. We, we had, I think this first outbreak started uh, when the um, ex-Cathay Pacific crew sort of came out to Moon Palace and then there were so yes, many... To the yeah, to the restaurant. And then, you know, they weren't able to be tracked through the Leave Home Safe app. It was, um, I mean, they didn't get alerted. They, they sort of came forward themselves to be tested. So it's really just the, the people of Hong Kong who are quite compliant and, and willing to come forward. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, I was surprised here the number of people who came forward to get tested. And people were queuing up for seven eight hours yeah um, same in to our, get tested in the community yeah. centers here yeah <laughs> yeah and uh, you know sometimes they would queue up for four or five hours and then get to the front of the queue and be told we ran out of tests so <gasps> come back tomorrow gosh yeah, um that terrible. happened over many many testing centers so it's i, I do think people do he, even here do try to do the right thing it just is just getting harder and harder because of just lack of resources lack of the over the the testing centers and the labs just didn't anticipate that they would have so many people wanting to test every single day so the wait for your PCR test is now maybe a week. So by the time you get your results, you'll pretty much know whether or not you have it because you probably would have symptoms. Yeah, and um, probably, so probably at the tail end of it, probably um, healed from COVID. Got yeah, you've probably recovered by then. <laughs> exactly. So that part, I think they just weren't prepared for that. It's uh, because the the in November, the cases were so low. So people sort of felt like, okay, you know, we can handle it at, at this level now. So... It's very, it's just escalated uh, a lot. And then we're seeing all these sort of ripple effects um, because so many people can't have to isolate. So things like toilet paper are now in short supply. Again? <laughs> all over again, yes. Oh, no. I was in a, a supermarket the other day. The toilet paper aisle was totally bare because the truck drivers and the shelf stackers and the warehouse workers so many people have to isolate oh so Karen, now i'm gonna these... have to cut you off there in case you're giving our listeners some ideas because <laughs> there are some sort of prominent academics calling for a bit of a lockdown in hong kong i'm worried there'll be a, a shortage of of those I precious toilet, paper. toilet papers again remember those youtube like... videos we'd see people snatching and just sort of the animal instinct coming out that's mine exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So we're having a lot of shortages in the shops here. Like you often go to the shop and you're just like, well, I can't find this, can't find that. And the shopkeeper's like, I know, you know, we just can't get them. The truck drivers, not enough truck drivers, not enough warehouse workers. So it's a, it's a little bit um, of a strange time right now. Oh, it is. Oh, when will this? I'm sure. I'm sure this is sentiment of so many people. But when will this be over? Just when will this be over? <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I don't know. I don't. We, we don't have a crystal ball. But Karen, it's so nice to hear your voice and and for you to join us once again. Thank you so much. And I and I look forward to more chats with you uh, next week. Stay safe uh, in Australia, and I'm sure you you, you will be. You. And I will chat to you next week. Thank Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. You too, Noreen. Take care. Bye for now. See you.